Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Okay, well, good morning. Good late morning to everybody. How's everybody feeling? Anybody watch the game last night? Those Raptors? Oh, man. It was a great game. Fantastic. The Lord showed up in Toronto. Oh, oh. I didn't have a heart attack. I did when the first quarter was going on, and then when we were down by 15, there was weeping and gnashing at teeth in my house. <laughs> but they, yeah, no, they came back and going to the finals for once. So it's good times. You know, I used to think basketball was like the dumbest sport ever invented. Because I'm like, man, you hit somebody and it's like, foul. But then as I actually started watching it more, and I'm like, man, these guys are giving her. Like, they're really, they're intense. Anyways, that's a side note. It's just because I'm bitter at the NHL right now and the fact that the Bruins are in it. (laughs) So I'm rooting for St. Louis and all that. So the Blues better win or else. But no, that's good. Good lead in because this morning uh, I was telling uh, Kathleen there that uh, God has a funny way of giving me my messages. Um, usually it's, it's a title. And then it's like, hey, Dan, figure it out from there. So the title he gave me was One Man, or if you want me to be politically correct, One Person Sport. Are we talking about golf? No, we're not talking about golf. And, and, and the reason why I think God gave me this title is, is a lot of the time we look at our walk as a Christian, I'm all by myself. Nobody could possibly be going through what it is I'm going through. I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My friends are gone. No. No, you're, you're not alone, and we're going to talk about this. I don't know for how long, so I was, you know, I was really happy that we had that ministry time during praise and worship. I always love that because it's like, if I only have five minutes to share, praise be to God. Um, yeah, so if you can, if you brought your Bibles, right on. If you didn't, that's between you and the Holy Spirit, but we have provided it on the screen for you. So we're starting in Mark chapter 1. I love the gospel of Mark. Mark is he's the most ADD, ADHD person I've, I've ever read or seen. Because it's like, <laughs> right off the hop, he says, yeah, here comes John the Baptist. He's going to say his thing, and then Jesus is going to get baptized. And then he goes and does his ministry. He just like, Highlights, highlights, highlights. And the word he loves using is immediately. In any translation I've, I've been looking at, it's been immediately Jesus did this. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Yes. We're in chapter 1, verse 9, if you want to jump ahead. Don't worry. I was going to get there, Brian. <laughs> um, so he's always jumping. He's always going. You always see God. He's... He's here, and then he's here, and then he's here, and then he's here. 
But I wanted to start off with this. I, I really like this part. So chapter 1, verse 9. One day, Jesus came from, Gal- from the Galilean village of Nazareth and had John immerse him in the Jordan River. The moment Jesus rose up out of the water, John saw the heaven, heavenly realm split open and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him. At the same time, a voice spoke from heaven saying, You are my son, my cherished one, and my greatest delight in you. Immediately, oh, there's that word, love it. Immediately after this, he was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the unhabitable desert region. He remained there in the wilderness for 40 days, enduring the ordeals of Satan's tests. He encountered wild animals, but also angels who appeared and ministered to his needs. So that's pretty cool. Jesus gets baptized, comes back out of the water. Right off the hop, he goes out into the desert. And he's faced with tests. He's fa- And because and <laughs> Mark, he's like me. He was, Jesus had some issues out there, but he overcame them. So we don't need to address this. If you want to read that, you go into Matthew. But Mark, he says, he went out, he was there for 40 days, he endured ordeals, Satan's tests, he encountered wild animals, but also the angels who appeared and ministered to his needs. Um, when I was in Bible college, and I know probably Kathleen and anyone that's been to any form of training, biblical training, YWAM, uh, Bethel, where we were at, at uh, LFBC, you get this greenhouse effect, it's great because when I went in my first year, it was probably the hardest and most challenging time of my life. It was one of those, don't give me that smirk, Dad. I phoned them every day. I want to come home. And Mom and Dad would be like, no, you're there. Click. <laughs> Do you accept a call from Dan? No. Click. It's like, whoa. It was some major heart surgery out there. My first year was really, really, really hard. Really hard. But you know what? We got through it. And it was the green and the greenhouse effect was, you know, when you have a greenhouse, it's pretty self-explanatory. You get your little seedlings, you get those little dirt pods from top crop or wherever. You put your seed in there, and then you got that plastic cover that your cat always squishes down because she's trying to eat the plants. You put that on there, you water them, and then you watch them grow. Right? That's pretty much how a greenhouse goes. It's like a controlled environment. Same thing with Bible college, YWAM, Bethel. A lot of it is, here's the greenhouse, and you grow. The thing after that is, got to go out into the real world. And the real world don't give two poops if you have emotions. They don't care if you've studied theology, if you've studied whatever. They don't care. Because it's all about me, 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 me. Right? And what I love about this part in Scripture is Jesus went through that because he was baptized. Holy Spirit descended like a dove onto him. And the Father says, this is my son who I am well, I am pleased with and cherished. And then instantly, immediately, thank you, Mark, Jesus went out into the wild. After Bible college, I went out into the wild, as it were. It's okay, now you have all this information, now it's time to go do ministry. I was excited right off the start. Anyone that comes out of school, 
even, even with plumbing, I'm excited because it's like, I, I know this, I, I got this, you know, I, I have all this knowledge and I'm ready to just take the world right by the, the shirt tails or whatever and just dominate. But the world says, yeah, you're, you're just a young little buck. Don't worry about it. We're going to rip you down and tear you and spit you out. And it's a very defeating feeling. But Jesus knew what to do in the situations. And we always say, you know, we're Christ-like. He's our example. So why aren't we using him as an example in that? And this is a question I've asked myself this week. This week, I've said, I was saying to Ash, it's getting harder and harder for me to write messages. And I'm like, well, why? Well, it's because I'm working full-time now. I can't dedicate full-time to ministry. You know, and the kids are playing baseball Monday to Thursday, so I got that. And so on and so forth. Jesus would do the easiest thing ever. What was the one thing Jesus did a lot that you see throughout Scripture that Jesus did? Spend time with the Father. And what did that look like, Jeff? He'd go away. He wouldn't go away for hours or months or years. He would take that time and he would separate himself from the disciples and he would pray. Before he did a miracle, he would pray. Before he did a healing, he prayed. He prayed during the healing. He prayed after the healing. He was always praying. And it wasn't something where he said, I need to go away for, for a whole six weeks. I need to take a sabbatical, which I'm not saying they're wrong. They are needed. But Jesus was always connected to the Father. He always had commun- community. It says in here that the, when Jesus encountered wild animals, but also angels who appeared and ministered to his needs. He wasn't alone in the desert. The angels ministered. What does that look like? What does ministry look like? Well, it's when we, you know, lay our hands on people and they get healed. Yeah, that's a part of ministry. But what about, I've seen it when we've had guest speakers. They're like, oh, I'm really starting to get thirsty right now. And somebody just randomly comes and brings a glass of water. They're ministering to that person right there, taking care of a need that's above them. And they're saying, here you go. You know, we always compare them into relationships. I, for a while, I didn't understand the whole thing for a relationship in a marriage. I was like, oh, it's a 50-50 thing. That's how you equal 100, because isn't two one? And everyone's like, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. You're not going to make it. It's like, oh, okay. It's 100-100. But how do you get through that? It's I put Ashley's needs ahead of mine own, and she puts hers ahead of mine. She better. That's what ministry is in that. But for some reason, we have this issue in, in our society that when people are having a problem, we tend to go and just withdraw from any form of community we have. I'm very bad for that. If I'm going through something, I don't tell anybody at work everybody's like, man, Dan, you don't share anything. I'm like, because it's none of your business, right off the hop. But the problem is, is I bring that into my family. Again, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. Why do I say that? Because I want people to just get away. Because if you're fine and everything's going okay, what? Oh, okay, cool. That's great. But again, what if I say, you know what? Things are going crappy. It kind of gets a little awkward, hey? When someone just says, you're, you're up here and, and you're, you're praying or whatever, and you're like, so what's going on? 
And they say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really good. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I can definitely, you know, Father, please continue to bless them, so on and so forth. But if someone says, you know what, it's really crappy. This, 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 this. I remember when we do youth retreats, kids would just unload and you're standing there. <laughs> I need an adult, quick. Like, it, it, it got a little, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? But it's not you having to figure it out. We don't have to try to figure it out. A lot of the time, people just want to talk. I, uh, previous to coming back to Cranbrook, I, I took a, a suicide prevention course. It was an amazing course. It was the, one of the best courses I've, I've taken. And, and what it was was pretty much just that, was talking to people. It was how do you do it? Asking the right questions, not panic when they say, oh, I want to I kill myself. Because a lot of the time it's a shock factor. And then they're like, well, I can't talk to you because you can't handle this. And I know a lot of the time growing up, talking to parents and saying, oh, I, I had sex. It's a shock factor because it's like, you know that's wrong. Well, yeah, duh. Well, I can't talk to you about it. I can't talk to you about how I'm really feeling about that. And then that person withdraws, or then we withdraw. Ash and I have this thing in our home, and we've been trying to establish it with the boys at this age, is they can talk to us about anything they want to talk about. It's not going to surprise us. It's not going to shock us. It's not going to make us love them any less. It's not going to make us think any different of them. The only thing it's going to do is say, we're here to talk. We're here to listen. Because the, the world doesn't care that I love my boys more than anything. You know, they, all they care about is, can you do a job? Can you do this? No, go away. And it's starting to get harder and harder and harder and harder out there. And it's unreal. Like, I... We always remember when our parents, you know, you're going to find out when you're an adult. You know, I'm so glad I wasn't born when you were born because, man, life's so hard. And I look at my boys, I'm like, man, life's hard. Like, why did I say, hey, Ash, let's have kids. Like, this is hard. Like, raising them in this society today's day and age where they're getting just constantly bombarded on, are you sure you're a boy? Well, yeah, I stand to pee. Well, that doesn't mean anything. They're getting bombarded with every kind of lie that can come at them. And, and it's sad, and it's like, what do I do as a parent? How do I? Well, God is saying, take that time to listen to them. Minister to your, our first ministry, our first mission field should be within our four walls. That's where the mission starts. If I can raise two boys that fear the Lord and are a nightmare to the devil, heck yeah, that was worth a legacy to have. And so it's building that community within our home, within our churches, within our, our, our circle of friends. Um, yeah, actually... Asha's friend, Naomi, she's in France right now, and they were talking, and you want to hear something crazy? In Canada, we're, we're really, like, we're weird. 
Over there, I guess they have a, two, what was it, two-hour lunch break? It's a mandatory two-hour lunch break. They have to take, I'm like, what? How do you get anything done? And Gnomes was telling us that when they do, when they do a meal, she's like, you got to pace yourself. Like they, Miffy's like, yeah, I know. I know what it's like over there. But they got to really pace themselves because when they, they start off with their appetizers and then they go into another thing and then they go into the meal and then they have a dessert and then they have this and then they have this. And when she first started, they brought the appetizers out and Naomi's like, yes. And she just starts chowing down on the appetizers. And then like, oh, now here comes the salad. She's like, what? There's more? Now here comes the main meal and here comes this. Here, she's like, holy cow. They would start yesterday. They started at what time? 12? 12.30 in the afternoon, and they were going to like 10 at night. J- this is just a meal. And it's like, holy cow. But the reason why they do this is because they're building connections. And I was like, holy cow. What are we-, we have a half hour, maybe an hour for lunch in Canada. Suppers, I, I know at our house, are just... We got to go, we got to go. We got baseball in like 15 minutes. Oh, we're late. Let's go. Get out the door. Go. Or as you get older, the kids, oh, I'm hanging out with my friend. Hey, can so-and-so come over? Can this and this? I'm going to have a sleepover. Blah, 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 blah. We, we just, how can we hustle through and check off our to-do lists to get to the end of the day and go to bed and then do it all over again? Now, I'm not saying, you know, but this is how we need to, but we need to be conscious of what it is we're doing with our time. It just and when when uh, Ash was telling me about this culture, I was like, "Holy cow, yeah! Like we're just get it done, get it done, get it done. It's all about the mighty dollar. We're just the enemy has distracted us and put the blinders on. On this is what you need to have. This is what you need to do. We lose things on the side. We can't pay attention. We can't because we're so focused on that. The price of living keeps going up. The price of gas is." astronomical. We got to work two jobs just to try to make ends meet. We got to do this and this and this and this and this. However, but God, we get so, like Jeff was saying, we get so surrounded by the waves and the fact that we've walked so far out into the lake that, oh my God, I'm going to drown. You're not going to drown. You're not going to be burned up in, in a blaze of fire. That fire that's coming towards you, that is, that is God coming to burn away the impurities in your life. I just really appreciate that vision that you shared there, Jeff. That was, that was awesome because I know, like, I just thought, as you were saying it, I thought about when Peter was out, jumped out of the boat, and the storm was just coming over. And he took his eyes off God for that split second, and then he started going down. But Peter said the shortest and most effective prayer in the entire Bible. Lord, help! And God never hesitated. He never said, man, you know, Peter, let's, let's just think about this later. Man, this thing sucks. Holy. Well, you don't know. Exactly. He probably said, this sucks. i got to pick you up again. I'm like, come on, Peter. Get it together. No, but God never said, well, Peter, later down the road, you're going to deny me three times. 
you're going to just want nothing to do. And then, you know, yeah, so let's just wait. Maybe I'll let you just kind of the water come up to your eyes. So then you're really panicking. And then you just, no, he picked him instantly up out of the water. And that's what God wants to do with us. And that's what we want to do as a church. My notes are so sporadic, it's great. Hmm. And as I was going and reading that, I was like, God, why are you like this? Why do you want to do this? And he says it in Ephesians 1.5. If you can pull that up, Kyle, that would be fantastic. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. I'm just going to stop there. It was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his children. That's why God does what he does. I don't want my kids to run away from me when there's a problem. I want them to run to me. And if I can't fix it, I know someone that can. Because I'm, I'm an earthly person. I have faults. I need my Heavenly Father to help me. Just as much as Isaac and Levi need me to help them. And you know what's been the most impactful thing in this whole year as we come up to when Mom passed away? Was each and every one of you have just really have stepped up. Like, Kathy, you have been a fantastic grandma to Isaac. You know, the one that he needs, you're up here worshiping God and just see him beside you. And Amy, the words that you've given me throughout this year, that's what it's about. It's about rallying around people as a family. I always say fam jam because we are a fam jam. We're crammed in a, in a jar. We sometimes get in each other's hair. We bicker with each other. I, I'm Dutch. Have you ever been to a reunion? They're out of control. Jesus needs to be there. We have one of my cousins. She's so out of control. We know exactly where she is. You know, Dad, um, Pearl and Morris? Yeah. She, like, oh, man, if she was an evangelist, she would take Billy Graham under the table, like she's way more vocal than he'll ever be. Well, now, because he's in glory. But, but I love my family. We get in each other's way. We get in, you know, you're banging on the bathroom door. I need in, get out. But when push comes to shove, who can you always depend on? Your family. And, and I can really honor my dad in that because that was one thing he really cherished in our home was family. And I know that's the thing that God has because, oh, well, that's disappointing. Hey, for it was always in his perfect, perfect plan, his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointing one, so that this tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. I had to memorize that in Bible college and I thought it was the dumbest thing because I got to memorize it. I hate memorizing. 
But it, it keeps coming back to me and coming back to me and coming back to me, coming back. I'm his delightful child. Before the foundation of the world, God chose me before I even knew him. Man, that is way better than what I have written. Yeah, it is actually. So when we're feeling like we're alone, we're not. We have ministry teams that come up every Sunday. And I know I'm really bad for this ministry team comes up. And we always do the call, does anyone need prayer? And it's like, no, I'm good, I'm great, I'm fine. I used to say this at a board meeting, and I'm not getting paid anymore, so I can say whatever I want. You guys can't garnish my wage. You can kick me out of the church, but I will bang on the door, trust me. I don't take no for an answer. <laughs> it's true, I did a disc test, and yeah, it said, no, you don't take no for an answer. I don't. I'll come back with a... What? I'll come back with a different question. Yeah, it's kind of like Jeopardy. But I'd always say, we would always start it off, does anyone need prayer at our meeting, at our board meeting that we would have? And nobody would put their hands up. And so me, being the amazing person, human being I am, I said, so you're telling me that everybody here is great and, this, and Satan has not done anything to take your mind and your eyes off God? You're telling me Satan left you alone? That you're, you're just, I said, that's the time when you need to worry. It's like, hey Dan, so uh, we're going to talk about wages this week. And uh, it's not looking good for the youth ministry wage. Oh, crap. Is it something I said? Probably. But that's the challenge I want to ask us, and to myself. Listen, I'm, this message is just, it's, I think sometimes it's more for me than it is for anybody else. Are you telling me, Dan, this week, Satan left you alone? That you weren't a nightmare to him? That he said, oh, yeah, that Dan guy? Yeah, he's docile. He, he's, he's whatever. I don't want to be like that. I want to be a night. I think it was Joel Olstein that said, be a nightmare to the devil. I want to be a nightmare to him. I want him to wake up and be like, oh, oh here comes Dan. What is he going to lay claim to this time? Revelations 12, 11, you don't have this, Kai, but that's okay. It says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we will overcome. We did that this morning. It was the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony is the prophecy of what it is Jesus has been doing and is doing in our lives. Linda's going to come back with a testimony, I guarantee you. Russ is going to come back with a, with a testimony, I guarantee you that. I had a chance to talk to him a couple Sundays ago. And man, that guy, he's got some amazing high spirits about this. He's going to have a testimony. And you know what? You know Russ. We all know him. He's going to say it. Linda's going to say it. I'm going to say the things that God's done in my life. So what are we afraid of? This is a place of, of healing. This is a place of restoration. This is a place that we can come in, and Satan is not allowed to come in. The world is not allowed to bring their garbage in here because the love of Christ is here. I bring my garbage in, but it's because of the love of God that is washed. And it's, and I forget that a lot of the time. Because it's like, God, I'm not perfect. And he says, yeah, I know. And that's okay. 
I love you for who you are. Don't withdraw. There's, there's people in here that love you, Dan, for who you are. The world can't attack you when you come into my house because I'm here to love on you. And I never understood that until as I started getting older with the boys. Kids, kids are mean. They're jerks. But the thing is, is when Isaac and Levi come home, I embrace them with a hug. What the world has told them, that's a lie. When you come into our house, we love you. When you come into the house of hope, we love you. We are influenced. We, in, we should be influencing the world, not the other way around. So, HOH, North Pole, what's going on? Are we going to lift each other's arms up? Like Moses, Moses did during that, the battle against the Ammonites? We're here to lift each other's arms up. So it's not just for Jeff and Dee that we lift their arms up. It's for all of us. Ephesians 5.13, bring it into the light. When someone asks you how you're doing, just be honest, be open. Don't say, I hate this. I won't talk to you after. Say, oh, I'm not at liberty to share. Okay. Be blessed. See you later. Tell me what's going on. Bring it into the light. So, Ministry teams. They're not just here because it's, it's a fun thing to do or we need or whatever. It's we're here to help. And I, and I haven't seen it the most in a church than I have in this one. The, the family atmosphere has been unreal. And, and it's a little, yeah, I know it's holidays and it's starting to warm up and everything like that. But I tell you, it's awesome when we come together. I get excited again when I come to church. Because I know God's going to show up and my fam jam's going to show up. And it's like one of the best times. This sets the week up for sure. And I'm not trying to say, oh, if you guys have bad attitudes, no. Because at the end of the day, I'm not here for you. I'm here for God. <laughs> tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> but I love being with each and every one of you. I really do. And... As I ref like I said, as I reflect on this year, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for accepting us for who we are. Thanks for, yeah, because that's a big part for me, is I know a lot of the time I don't see reverent, well, this is the perfect church for it, is I don't see reverent during announcements or when we do the declaration, I'm trying to out-yell Kaya. And then I start going all like Southern Baptist back there. <laughs> but you know what? Church, you got to have fun. When you're with your family, man, it's fun. God's fun. Like my friend always used to say, and I thought this was like the worst thing ever. I said, man, Tim, why are you saying that? That's, that's got to be borderline blasphemy. And then I was like, wait a minute. He's like, Jesus made it funny when he's talked about, you know, the speck in, in your brother's eye and you got the wood plank out of yours. And he's like, could you imagine what that would look like if you're walking around with a plank sticking out of your eye? I was like, man, that... It's like, yeah, that would be actually kind of funny, you know, just walking around this huge plank. But it hit the message hard in that. Anyways, that's for another day. Man, so, but thanks. You guys are doing great.
And that's one thing God wanted me to tell you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to come up to the front. Don't be afraid to talk it out. It's not a one-person, one-man sport. There's a reason why Jesus goes after the one. Because it's a big, bad, scary world out there. But Jesus knows with him, we can conquer it. We can take land back in Cranbrook. That's rightfully ours. This whole curse that supposedly is over Cranbrook, that's garbage. Cancer, that's garbage. Knee surgery, yep, that's healable. Relationships, that's healable. That's restorable. There's nothing that God cannot do. Can God create a boulder so big that he can't move it himself? My question, why would he want to do that? Well, yeah, you have nothing. So, please stand. Is there a ministry team today? Two, three, four, five, six? So I expect the front to be like jam-packed, pushing and shoving. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is it okay if I just close? You guys, yeah, is that okay? Lord, I, I thank you so much. Father God, I thank you that you are the perfect Father. God, that when we are going through times of trouble, that we can run to you, God, and that when we come into your house, Lord, you embrace us with a hug. You come down to our level, Lord, and you talk to us eye to eye, face to face. God, in that when we are with you in your arms, nothing can hurt us. God, I thank you for that perfect love. God, I just thank you for this fam jam. God, it's just, I'm just so blessed to be, to be in this family, Lord. And, and I thank you, God, that... We're getting there. And I'm just reminded by, by what Steve Backlund was saying. It's not about the end, but it's about the process. And we're getting there. And it's awesome to see the growth. God, and to see how we're working it out. And that there's, there's grace when we say stuff that maybe we shouldn't have said. But we grow. And we thank you for that, Father. And we just want to, again, before we close, God, I just want to lift up Linda God, we know there's going to be healing. We thank you, God, that the surgery went great. We thank you for that, for guiding the surgeon's hands, Lord, and for even blowing his mind out of the, or her mind out of the water, Lord, to show that nothing is impossible. And, Father, we, we just we want to see the same with the healing. It's not going to be impossible to see Linda here again in a very short amount of time. And, God, we also want to continue to lift up rest, God. God, I thank you that there's a testimony in rust. God, that he's going he's gonna to keep, was it his kidneys? Kidney? Yeah. He's going to keep them both, God, because cancer is garbage. And it doesn't scare you, and it shouldn't scare us. And so we just lay claim on that. Satan, you have no hold on rust. You cannot bring him down. You cannot bring Linda down. Back the truck up and get out. Get out. God, I thank you for, the, for those two families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. 
For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.